as much as I would like to be a perfect father, I realize that uh, the, we have a great example with our Heavenly Father, do we not? And I think that it's important that, that us dads, uh, that we follow God's example to the best of our abilities and that we try the best that we can do it. Because really, honestly, that's all we can do is the best we can do. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning. The title of my message this morning is, Don't Fight Like a Man, Fight Like a Man of God. And I think a lot of times we like to fight like a man, but God's calling us to fight like a man of God. I like Father's Day because I'm a father. I like... uh, I like gifts. <laughs> Who doesn't, right? Oh, don't give me anything. I've never said that. I've never said that. Like, yeah, give me whatever you got. We've been talking about the battlefield. Last time we talked about the battlefield that's in our mind, and, and a lot of times the thoughts that we think rule our lives. And we have to be careful what we think because everything that we do started with a thought. And we, I hear people every once in a while, they're like, what do you think? What do you think? People ask, what do you think? And then sometimes I ask people that and they say, I don't get paid for thinking. And I'm like, I'm like, uh, uh, thinking gets me in trouble. Thinking's overrated. Man, I'll tell you what, we need to start thinking. We really need to think. (laughs) And not let somebody else do our thinking for us, but let God move on us and to be able to take authority, what we have authority over, and to walk in the fullness that God has for us as men of God but also as women of God and children of God, we are, have a heavenly father that has given us that example for, for us to follow. But I thought this morning, it'd be a great, I thought it'd be a great time since it's Father's Day that, that I might just say some things that all of us fathers have been wanting to say to all of you wonderful ladies for a long time. We've been itching to say these things. So I just thought I'd run through a little list of things that we've just been, we'd just like for you to know. Number one, yes and no are perfectly acceptable answers to almost every question. Number two, check your oil. Just check your oil. Number three, anything we said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. (laughs) In fact, all past comments become null and void after seven days. As we like to say that. We just like to say that to you. Number four, don't leave me. Number four, if something we said can be interpreted two ways, And one of the ways makes you sad 
or angry, we meant it the other way. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. All right. Some of you men, help me here. Number five. If we ask what is wrong and you say nothing, we will act like nothing's wrong. We will just believe you and move on. Things men would love to say. Number six, all men see, all men see in only 16 colors, like, like the windows on the default setting. Peach, for example, it's a fruit, not a color. Pumpkin is also a fruit. We have no idea what mauve is. We really don't care. Don't care. We don't, we just don't care. Number seven. Christopher Columbus did not need directions. Neither do we. Don't fight like a man. Fight like a man of God. We're doing warfare. By the way, uh, there's a war going on for your thoughts. Every one of us here today have a thought life. And what we do with those thoughts, and, and the, the issue today, many circles, is that we think about the things that we see more than the things that we don't see, and there's a bigger battle for the things that we don't see than the things that we do see. It's as critical now as it has ever been that men, fathers, as well as every born-again believer, renew our mind. Here's what Paul says. He says, to not conform any longer. Everybody say, any longer. Well, that, what that means is that we used to do that. But don't do it any longer. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What he's saying is that we have allowed the, the world to influence us in the past more than we've allowed God to influence us. He says, don't conform any longer to the influence of the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind. And that's it, being transformed. It's like all of these lights are here today because there's a transformer out there on Highway 105, and that transformer transforms. There's a lot of power running through that. There's no way that these lights can handle the kind of power that's running through the, those power lines out there. They need a transformer because they can't handle the power. I want to put that little deal up on the screen about that movie. He says, you don't, you just can't handle the truth. See, a lot of times we can't handle the truth. So God has to give us a little transformer and give us a little bit of power that he can actually trust us with. And then when we get trustworthy with a little bit more power, then he gives us a little bit more power. And a lot of times we want to build ourselves up the way the world builds ourselves up instead of the way God wants us to build ourselves up. And we want to become something in this world, a big shot. You know what a big shot is, right? It's just a little squirt under pressure. We just want to... 
be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and perfect acceptable will of God. God wants us to know what his plan and what his will is for our lives. So what we have is we have an issue here. It's the brain that versus the mind. The brain that versus the mind. When it comes to the process of human thought, there is still a lot that we don't really, we don't really understand about the creation of the mind and the creation of the man and the woman. Uh, we do know that there is a fundamental difference between the brain and the mind. The brain is the gray matter inside of the head. It is a physical organ giving direction to all other parts of your body through intricate nervous or intricate system of nerves. The mind, however, stay with me, the mind, however, is eternal. When you die, your brain dies with your body. But your mind is eternal. Your mind will, while somehow connected to your brain, is not physical. Your mind is the real you. Your mind resides within your spirit and your soul. Your mind is eternal because when you die, your spirit and your soul separates from your body. For the believer, Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Your last breath on earth is actually your first breath in heaven. However, we won't be mindless spirits The mind will live on with the soul and the spirit. You think about the rich man and Lazarus, the illustration Jesus used. We will know each other. We'll know, uh, we'll have the ability to think. Our ability to think and reason is similar to the way a computer functions. The computer hardware with all of its wires and circuitry is like the brain. It is the physical part. However, the computer is useless without the software. Programs must be installed into the memory of the computer in order for it to function. The software, like the mind, is not physical. You can add or remove software from your computer, and yet you won't make the computer any heavier or any lighter because it's the software, it's not the hardware. The hardware is what you feel in the computer, but the software is what you put into the computer. What we put into our brain is software. The brain is the hardware, but what we put into it is the software. Brain is useless without the mind. The physical part of the computer remains unchanged by the software it contains, but the hardware is useless without the software. Therefore, the world wants to remove God's God completely from your thinking. He want, the world wants to bring your mind into the subjection of thinking like the world thinks. And this is what Jesus is, is saying to us, is to take every thought captive. Be careful what you put into your hardware that will become software that, because it will dictate to you your destiny. There's a battle not only for the soul of our men, but also for the soul of our women, our children. To have the mind of, of, of Christ, not of this world. To be transformed. 
Many, if you have a computer and it gets infiltrated from an outward source, it's called malware. And you can, it can mess up your whole computer. And you have to, you have to clean your computer. And you got to get the, the cookies out of it. Y'all staying with me, right? Got to be careful what you, the software you put into your brain. There's a crisis in America, in case you didn't know it. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, out of 18.3 million children, one in four live without a biological step or adoptive father in the home. Consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all of the social ills facing America. A father factor. Research shows that when a child is raised in the father absent home, he or she is affected in the following ways. More likely to face abuse or neglect. More likely to use drugs and alcohol. Seven times more likely to become pregnant. Four times greater risk of poverty. Two times more likely to suffer obesity. More likely to go to prison. More likely to have behavioral problems. More likely to commit crime. Two times more likely to drop out of high school. Dad, you're important to society. You're important. Our nation needs good dads. But God has called us to be godly fathers. These are statistics in our world, but godly fathers, we can be fathers to the fatherless. The ones that don't have fathers, we can help along the way with other kids that don't have fathers. Whatever may be going on between our ears may not be a hardware problem. It might be a software problem. In other words, our problems in America may not be a physical problem, but a spiritual issue. We are all affected by this statistics. Our kids need good role models. We must all, not just fathers, but all of us as individuals, change the programming within our thinking to be transformed. Why? How? By the renewing of our mind. Uh, Scripture says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not a physical problem. Our struggle is against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. We are engaged in a spiritual battle today. Your and my battle today is almost always more spiritual than it is physical. And if we're not careful, we will spend more time on the physical than we do the spiritual. I'm going to wait on you a minute right there. The spiritual health of this world is dependent upon the church. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take captive 
every thought to make it obedient. Is that thought obedient to Christ? If not, we need to demolish that argument within our mind. To make our thinking obedient to Christ, we must overcome destructive wrong ways of thinking to break down the strongholds of the enemy by changing the way we think. So how do we do this? How do we demolish the arguments? How do we tear down strongholds that try to keep us from knowing God? How do we take thought ever captive? Well, here's the answer. Philippians chapter 4. You might want to write it down. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, I thought it was too complicated. I thought it was a complicated answer. No, when in your life did you ever think that God says something so complicated that a fourth grader couldn't understand it? Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, again, in case you didn't hear me the first time, again, I say rejoice. <laughs> Let your gentleness, dads, gentleness, not your wildness, not your dangerousness, but your gentleness. I got some horses. I've had horses in the past that weren't much fun to be around because you couldn't ever relax around them because you didn't ever know if you were going to get your head kicked off. They're not any fun to be around. He said, let your gentleness be known. I love, to be, I love gentle horses. I mean, I don't have to worry about them kicking me. I don't have to worry about them biting me, about moving around and just being fidgety. They're just gentle. He says, let your gentleness be known. Are you a gentle father? Or whenever you walk in the house, does the cat run off and the dog run off and the kids go, go to their bedroom like... It's just a question. It's just a question. <laughs> Let your gentleness be evident. Then it, listen to this. To all. Everybody. The Lord is near. He's close. Practice his presence. Do not be anxious. I'm going to get into that in just a second. Be, do not be anxious for anything but in everything. Everybody say in everything. Everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Did you know that thankful people are happy people? You, if, uh, if you're like a miserable, if you're like, if you're just kind of miserable all the time and you just never have peace in your heart and you're never, you're just like, man, I don't know what my problem is because uh, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm just going to go eat worms. <laughs> just let me invite you to come to the party and be thankful. Find something in your life to be thankful. Don't be jealous over what somebody else has. Be grateful for what God has blessed you with because everybody's got something to be thankful for. If you got Jesus, you got something to be thankful for. <laughs> thankful people are more fun to be around. And grumpy people. So it says, take every thought captive. When you get grumpy, get over it. <laughs> they, got a, they got a kind of little joke at the office when people come for counseling. They, they're like, like, when people come to me for counseling, we got a word for it. We call it suck it up counseling. It, it don't take me long to say just quit doing that. Straighten up. 
<sighs> With thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. How powerful is this? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. You can't, how do you explain the peace of God? It just kind of transcends all understanding. It's just like something that's just like, ah, oh, thank God for peace. You might have a turmoil, might have a, a tornado, might have a, a wind shear, cut off all the trees out in the, out in the pasture and have problems. But on the inside, we got peace. This world can't give peace. There might be a storm brewing out there, and there might be, everybody might be just kind of freaking out, but we can still have peace in our life no matter what goes on around us. It transcends all understanding. And it says it will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. We're talking about taking every thought captive. Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think on such things. And if you're not thinking about these kind of things, stop thinking about these kind of things and start thinking about these kind of things because it'll, it'll change your heart and it'll change your mind. You'll be happy to be in the presence of God. So what can the Holy Spirit teach us about taking every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ? Three things. I'm going to cruise through these real quick so I can get on to something else, but uh, you might want to write these down. Develop, defend, and depend. Develop, defend, and depend. First of all, develop. Develop an awareness of his presence. He said, the Lord is near. We read that a minute ago. Whether we recognize that he's near or not, he is near. He's as close as a prayer. He's as close as, as, as a whisper. He's, he's with you. Lo, I am with you. Always. It's not talking about not getting an airplane. He said, lo, I'm with you. He's like, hey, I'm just here with you, not just low. That's kind of a joke, but never mind. <laughs> he said, I'm with you. I'm with you. Develop an awareness of his presence. Yes. 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 The second thing is depend. Develop. Depend on him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. God wants you to put your faith in him in every aspect of your life. Depend on him. He is dependable. He is the foundation of this world. He's the foundation of our life. He's the foundation of our destiny. He is our foundation. We can depend on him. He doesn't, he's not like the, the wind and the waves that come and go. And he's not like the, 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 the tornado. He's, he's always there and he's always dependable. You, you can depend on God. If you've had an experience that, that, that wasn't good, it wasn't from God. Because he always does what's good for us. I didn't say he's all that makes you comfortable. It's about what's good for you. And if, it's, if it happened and it wasn't good for you, it wasn't God. Depend on him. Second one is the third one. Develop, depend, and defend. God is a defender of his people. Did you know that Jesus is going to stand in front of the Father 
And because of his sacrifice for you and his blood, uh, with all your problems and all your issues that you didn't get conquered in this world, he's going to stand up and say, um, we are reconciled. In other words, we are coming to balance. You ever reconcile your checkbook and you're like in the red? He will defend us so that we will be reconciled to God so we can come into the literal presence of God because we're living in the presence of God now. We will just transition spiritually and we'll have a new body and I'll have all my fingers. (laughs) Everything will be new. He's a defender. He's developed a presence. He'll defend us to the Father and, and allow us to come into his presence, but he has asked us to defend him. For us to be his spokespeople in this world, when other people live in a way that they shouldn't be living or, or not, not that we're the Holy Spirit, but that we, we are a defender of the word of God. And when the world goes away from God, We can't go with the world. We've got to go to God. Defend him and defend his word. But we got to know his word before we can do that. So our final word here on fighting like a man of God. 1 Timothy chapter 2. If you have your Bible, you can turn to it. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2. It says, I urge you then... First of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Talking about fighting like a man of God. And honestly, ladies, you're not left out of this because all of these principles, most, most all of them, uh, they apply to all of us, you kids as well. I urge you then, first of all, then, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving may be made for all people. For kings and all those in authority. He's wanting us to pray for kings, for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, it says, and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people, everybody say all people, all people to be saved. What? He wants everybody? So, what, what about these people that says in God's sovereignty, he only lets certain people go to heaven? This kind of messes up that little deal, doesn't it? If you're here today and you're kind of wondering whether you're one of those people that really God really wants to go to heaven, let, let me help you out with that, okay? Yep, let me help you out with that right now. It says, uh, this is good and pleases God, pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? Well, you made the cut. Amen. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to place of repentance. I, I, I despise that doctrine that some churches preach. Verse 5. For there is, is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom. Here we go again. For all people. 
<laughs> this has now been witnessed to, to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald of the gospel. I am telling the truth. I am not lying and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. Verse 8, this is for us fathers. Therefore, I want the men everywhere. In the Greek, that word everywhere means everywhere. Like Montgomery. Or Wherever you're at is everywhere. I want men everywhere. Not just somewhere, but everywhere. To pray. I want men everywhere to pray. Lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Verse 9. I also want the women to dress modestly. With decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. So the first thing we need to notice is that is what verse 8 is encouraging men to do. Paul tells Timothy that the men in the church should be lifting up holy hands in prayer. You know, it's interesting that most of the teaching in this passage is centered around the verses for women. You know why? That's because us men don't want to get on the hook. We're like, we're like, oh, you women, you got this problem. You need and I'm going to preach about this one of the, in weeks to come probably because this, this is just too good of a passage to pass up. But let me tell you something. If you're trying to build a doctrine off of one verse out of this chapter, you just really need to go back and start over again. By the way, it's not telling you ladies that you need to, like, dress like, like, well, like, like Muslim women. <laughs> or, or, or even that you need to keep your mouth shut. It's not what it's talking about. We got to get this stuff right. Y'all stay with me. I've never heard, I've never heard any emphasis in this scripture on men lifting holy hands in prayer. It's all about what women ought to be wearing. It's much easier to address faults in others than it is to recognize flaws in ourselves. Paul writes seven verses about the importance of prayer. Paul says that requests should be made. Prayers should be prayed. Intercession should be made. And thanks should be given. Paul says the prayers should be prayed for kings. In our case, presidents. Especially if you don't like them. You need to pray for them. And then if you do like them, pray for them. Everyone in authority. Paul says a prayer should be prayed for those in authority so that they will make good decisions that will continue to allow us to live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. There's a reason God has asked us to pray for people in authority over us. Paul says lots of prayers like these please God. Amen. I know that's why you come to church. You want to please God, right? Amen. That's why we're here. 
What is that? Because even Christians, why is that? Because even Christians have a difficult time submitting to authority. Especially men. And nobody said. <laughs> so if that if it kind of aggravates you or makes you a little angry, uh, it's for you. <laughs> the Bible teaches that every Christian should live in subjection to government and church authority as long as it is morally and biblically acceptable. The New Testament knows nothing about lone ranger Christians living outside the authority of the church and state. Listen to this. The scripture encourages the church to be a part of the state. Not the separation of the church from the state. The church is supposed to be in the middle of what the state's going on. And, and that's the reason, that's the problem. is because the state has told the church to stay out of their business. But it's about time the church got in the middle of what the state's doing. The Bible teaches the rebellion against government or church authority is rebellion against God. Therefore, Paul says the Christians should pray for all those in authority. Pray that they will make decisions that enable us to continue to live peaceful, godly lives. So I personally, both personally and professionally, appreciate that our governor, Governor Abbott, signed th three days ago a religious freedom law prohibiting government from closing places of worship. Yes, we, that's good. House Bill 1239 prohibits government officials and agencies from ordering houses of worship to be closed. I appreciate that. Also, on May the 18th, the Texas Heart Bill heartbeat bill became law banning abortions. Governor Abbott, Governor Greg Abbott signs into law one of the nation's strictest abortion measures banning procedures as early as six weeks into their pregnancies. I'm thankful for that. By the way, that's the reason we got to vote. Somebody told me that not very many people vote in school board elections. I was like, I was like, I don't even, I, I'm, I don't even know when they vote. We got to, I just heard this this past week, but we got to pay attention to everything in our, uh, our city, our county, our state, our nation. We got to pay attention to everything and we've got to, Stop letting the tail wag the dog. My Bible tells me with the head, not the tail. But too many, too, for too long, we've been the tail, not the head. So Paul's saying that it's important for men to pray in church. It's important for men to pray at home. That our world needs praying men. And Paul's not just flippantly saying that men should pray. Paul's saying men should pray. We, we got to get to praying. Yes, yes, yes. Be committed to it. Paul's saying that men should cease their prior intimidation and raise their hands. Amen. You're, you're my, you're my, like, you might be like, well, Pastor, I've never really done that before. Well, 
never too late to start. And if it said it blesses God, and it says that we, by raising our hands and by spending time with God and praying to God, we can raise our hands and it blesses God, wouldn't we as Christians want to do that? In fact, a lot of times, uh, our kids, dads, if you'll raise your hands, your kids will probably follow you. If, you're, if you raise your hands, your wife might as well. Uh, but, but generally, because you're the leader in the home, they're going to do, if you don't raise your hands, they're probably not going to do it either. Never too late to make a right turn off the wrong road. See, what happens is the devil intimidates, manipulates, and controls. And if we're not careful, we'll allow that to happen. And and the the problem is, is that we're too worried about what other people think. Let me give you a little, let me give you a little, don't worry about what people are thinking. Chances are real good. They're not even thinking about you. They're not thinking about you. Even if they are, it doesn't matter. Are you here to please God or are you here to please man? We come to church to please God, amen? So let's just go ahead and raise up holy hands and thank God that he is God. We've had way too much talk about putting women in their place. And the point of this scripture is to put men in our place. We need to be in our place. And our place is on our knees. When was the last time you got down on your knees and raised up holy hands before God and say, God, I pray for my family. I pray for my nation. I pray for my president. I pray for my governor. I pray for my kids. When was the last time you got down and humbled yourself before God and raised your hands? I'm telling you, the most powerful battle that you will ever fight will be a battle when you decide to get on your knees before God and raise up holy hands before God. I just... Double dog dare you to, to do that because it'll change your life forever. Paul says this needs to be done. <laughs> this is so good. Without anger or dispute. So like if you're thinking in your mind about disputing what I'm preaching about, Paul's already got ahead of you on that. Said so do it without anger Or if you're like angry, you can stop that. Or if you're disputing it in your mind or justifying, not raising your hand or not spending time on your knees. If you're talking about, he's saying, do it without anger or dispute. Pretty good stuff. Hmm. We've got to get past this anger, wrath, doubting, and disputing our spiritual worth in order to advance spiritually and to grow the way God's asked us to grow. The Satan, the devil, Satan, he loves to intimidate us. How many knows that's right? He likes, he's like, he's like, could do anything to keep you from doing what we're preaching about today. 
When I was growing up, my dad pastored a church when I was a little boy. Actually, when I was born, dad was pastoring his first church. And he pastored a church all of his life. After that, uh, even until he passed away in 2012, uh, he was helping my brother with his church when he was, got into his elderly years. But it was interesting to me, how, how, many, <laughs> how many of you dads, whenever you were growing up with your dad, you said to yourself, I'm not going to do it that way. The way my dad did it, I'm going to change something. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do it that way. Raise your hand. It'd be good for you. Raise your hand. Because not every dad is perfect. Oh, no dad is perfect. Your daddy wasn't perfect. He, he would, uh, whether he tell you that or not, it's the truth. Because we've all sinned to come short of the glory of God. We've all messed up different things along the way. And not like with my dad, I learned some things what not to do. I guarantee you, you could talk to my kids and they would, they would come up with some things that they wouldn't do that I did because they learned from my mistakes. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not like he's being a jerk about it. It's just it's reality. My dad, for some reason, he thought it was wrong to be caught sleeping or taking a nap. He was a pastor, and he didn't want anybody to think he was a lazy pastor. And so, like, anytime anybody would call on the phone, we laugh about it now. Anytime somebody would call on the phone, if dad was taking a nap in the afternoon, he'd jump up and he'd go, Hello, hello, hello. You know, because like whenever you, whenever you say hello after you just got through sleep, you go, hello, like that. And then you go, oh, did I wake you up? And then they make fun of you, right? So my dad didn't want that. And so he's like, hello, hello, hello. Hello. <laughs> so they wouldn't think. And even in the mornings, I mean, it's like, he almost like it was a sin to be caught sleeping. Man can take you and me on journeys that we don't need to go on. What people think about us has to take, I mean, we've got to know what God says about us rather than what people think about us. My goodness, we all know you got to sleep sometime. Nothing wrong with sleeping. But it isn't, isn't it something how, how the enemy of our soul can intimidate or manipulate or control us even though we don't even know it. Yeah. And the reason we don't know it is because he is the father of deception. And if we're deceived by it, we don't even know we're being deceived by it. Why? Because we're deceived. Amen. We don't even know it. So what does it say? It says, pray without ceasing. Demolish every argument that comes up against you. Lift your holy hands before him. Pray, spend time in prayer. And let the God that knows everything, that knows us better than we know ourselves, that created us and made us 
who we are. Let him lead us and guide us and direct us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake because we will be so much better fathers, better mothers, better children, better people, better single people because we have given credence to God's word instead of what man says about us. There's too many people in this congregation today that let man run your stuff for you. They, I'm telling you, can I get an amen out of somebody? Uh, there's people out there wanting to just, if you don't run your own life, somebody else will be happy to run it for you. I'm going to tell you something. We got to be faithful and loyal to the word to develop a attitude of his presence, to defend him when he's def when in our world today, but also to depend on him because he is dependable. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. I pray, oh God, today that you would um, reveal the teaching in our hearts and in our minds the way that you have for us. Lord, that we would not allow our, our mind to be overcome by the influence of the world or by what the world says to us. But we would give credence and loyalty and faith to the word that you speak to us, that you speak about us, and help us to cling to the foundation of your word and not be moved by every wind of, dark, of doctrine that comes through the pike of the world. I pray, oh God, that you would help us to be a church, a lighthouse on a hill, oh God, that we would shine brightly and we realize that the only way that works is where every individual, every family, every marriage is shining brightly for you, oh God. So we pray, oh God, today, we pray, oh God, that you would help us to disperse intimidation by the enemy. And Satan, I bind you from every person in this building. In the name of Jesus, I command you to flee. And I break down those strongholds that have been built up. And Lord, I pray, oh God, that you would have your way in our hearts and in our minds, in our bodies, and our souls. That the hardware of our, our brain, oh God, would submit to the software of your word, oh God. That we would be filled with the Spirit of God, that we would live and move and breathe under the power of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Lord, for the victory today. I thank you, Lord, for your word that is living and powerful and moves among us, oh God. Help us, Lord, to be faithful people to you and to your word and to take every single thought captive in Jesus' name. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the greatest gift to mankind is the presence of God. And God says that we have all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. But he also said that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God's raising from the dead, that we'll be saved. So this morning, if you've never accepted him, or maybe if you have, you just haven't been living for him. Simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Anybody, Preacher, that's me. I need to invite Christ to come into my life. I need him as my Lord, my Savior. Back in the back. Yep, thank you. I appreciate it. We're going to put a Bible in your hand. Yep, thank you. 
Leave your hands up till we get a Bible in it. Thank you. You can put it down now. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Don't, don't be intimidated anymore. Don't give the devil a foothold in your life. Uh, come up against him and be strong. God's got a plan for your life. He wants to help you. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Anybody else? Anybody? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody? If you raise your hand, would you mind looking up at me? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? Back in the back, come on up and let me pray for you. Come on, buddy. Yep. Back in the back, you mind? Thank you. I'm so proud of y'all. What's your name? Matthew. Matthew. I'm proud of you, buddy. I want to pray with you in a second, okay? The greatest gift that God's ever given to us is the gift of his presence that he wants to be with us. And this, when we invite him into our lives, then he said that he'd never leave us and he'd stay with us forever. Look at y'all. I'm proud of y'all. Bless you, buddy. Appreciate you. Bless you. Good. Good for you. Do both of y'all want to ask Jesus into your heart? Or just you? Both of y'all? Okay, perfect. And what's your name again? Matthew. Matthew. That's right. One of the, one of the, one of the big, big dogs. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we've all sinned. But he said, if, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved. I can help you pray, but you have to believe. In your heart and in your mind, you have to believe, okay? Can we do that? Y'all help us pray. And stay right there for a second. If there's any of y'all out there that you didn't raise your hand, but you, you, you want to ask Jesus to come into your heart, please pray this prayer with me and, and mean it in your heart, and God will help you to, 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 to live for him. Okay, let's pray this prayer. Y'all repeat after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm so proud of y'all. Look here. I got, a, I got a word for you all right now. The word is intentional. You were intentional when you got up and came to church this morning, right? You have to stay intentional. Right now, you were intentional when you asked Jesus to come in, into your heart. But you see, as you go through life, when you walk out of here, your circumstances won't change. But what changes is what's going on on the inside of you. And the outside can never dictate to the inside. The inside has to dictate to the outside. In other words, the Holy Spirit that lives in you now is what helps you to get your life straightened out. And it doesn't happen overnight. In fact, it'll take a lifetime. But you have the presence of God now in your life. And he's not going to ever leave you. He's going to be there. So, but, but you all got to recognize that and ask him to help you pray lift up holy hands
Y'all do that? I'm proud of you. Listen, go visit with these folks over here for just a second. Thank you. I'm proud of you, Matthew. Go over there and visit those folks. I love you, buddy. Stand with me, please. Hey, let me ask you a question. Who out there, you prayed that prayer? You prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, but you really meant it and you asked Jesus to come into your heart. Raise your hand. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. I'm proud of you guys. That's sweet. Give God a hand. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. How many has the Holy Spirit convicted convicted you today? Conviction is a wonderful thing, isn't it? You think about it. Conviction is a wonderful thing. But conviction is worthless if it's not acted on. The Holy Spirit loves you enough to convict you, to convict me. But if we don't act on that conviction, it's just, it's, it was just a waste of time, right? So how many today... The Holy Spirit convicted you of things that you have been thinking or acting on. And, and you've got to take those thoughts captive and, and do something about it. Raise your hand. I like y'all. I like y'all. Let me ask you one more question. Just for the dads and the men here today. How many the Holy Spirit's convicted you that you no longer need to be intimidated about raising your hands in church or at the house, and you need to raise your hands and give praise and pray to God without intimidation. There you go. That's what I'm talking about. So let's all raise our hands. I want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for your word today. I thank you for the victory we feel in this house today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you showed up. I thank you for these that came and gave their life to you this morning. Bless them, oh Lord. Bless their families. Bless all of the fathers, Lord. Help us all to be leaders in our home, oh God. That we would, we would uh, be the example to our, our wife and to our children, to our co-workers at work. That we would let that light so shine before men that they might see our good works but glorify you, oh God. I thank you, Lord, for it. And I thank you for the victory, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said. Amen. God bless y'all. We love you. Thank you so much. Our prayer team is up here. If you need special prayer, love to have you.